God has called us out to, uh, from among them. And we're going to go there to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. It says, To be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? What communion does light have with darkness? And then going down to verse 17, he says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We have been talking about this separation, about coming out from the world, about how God has called us to live a life of holiness. I believe that with all my heart. I believe in holiness. But it's not just for the mere fact of following the rules or for uh, just coming out for uh, for no reason. But rather, I believe that there is a purpose for why God has called us to be separate. He has separated us for a purpose. And I want to talk about that purpose as we bring this this series to a close here this morning. I want to just speak a little bit this morning about the purpose that God has intended for you. The purpose that God has laid out for your life. I I just happen to believe that God does not, He does not just call you out. He doesn't just call you into His church just to have you sit there, sit there on a seat and to not do anything. But God has called you for a reason. Amen. That you are here today so that God can use you and He has a designed purpose in mind for your life. Second Corinthians, if you just, just flip forward one chapter from where we are at, we see here one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest things that, uh, that it has to do with this salvation plan that God has, has laid out. We, we see in, in scripture really since the very beginning from Genesis chapter one, there's Genesis chapter three actually is where where we see Adam and Eve bring into bring into this this life a brokenness. We see sin enter into the world and and ever since that time, ever since ever since sin came into this world, ever since this this corruption took place with with mankind, we see a a a brokenness between the relationship with God in the relationship with man, we see how how flesh had this pull on it to be contrary to the will of God. Right? Y'all y'all experience that in your life at one not I shouldn't even say at one point or another. It's it's every day we understand the flesh, the battle between flesh and spirit. We understand that there is a, a pull. Even after being, being born again, even after coming into the church, we still understand that there is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And there is this, this law, there is this thing that all of us, we were born into sin. When we were, when we came into this world, we, we were born into sin. And, and from that, we had to be be purchased. We had to be reconciled back into a right relationship 
with God. And that truly is the purpose that God has laid out from Genesis to Matthew and into and into the, the book of Acts where we see where we see a, a, a the fullness of this reconciliation process take place and and extending to us here today we see this reconciliation that really is the story that is the thread between that between every page in this book is this reconciliation between God and man it's this reconciliation that God has been seeking it's this this uh, bringing us back into a right relationship with him and we we were the ones that that on the sixth day God he created mankind and he says this is very good this isn't like any of my other creation this is this is the one that I have created in my image. This is the one that I breathed breath into his life and, and made him a living soul. This is the one that I'm connected with on a very intimate level. It's not like all of my other creation, but this is special. And the, uh, you understand that you are special, that God created you in his image, that God designed you in his image, but there is a brokenness that that we, we, we needed fixed. We needed to be reconciled back into a right relationship with God. We see that here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. We'll start there. It says that all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. How? By Jesus Christ. And he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, so God has reconciled us to him through Jesus Christ and he has given to us this ministry, the same ministry that God had, the same ministry that Jesus Christ had when he was here on this earth, this ministry of reconciliation. He says he has now given us that same ministry of reconciliation to it that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And he has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We can go on to verse 20. Now when, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. All right, there's, there was a lot that was packed into that little passage right there. just want to unpack it a little bit. The fact, that, the fact that we were broken, the fact that we were all born into this world as sinners is what is the whole reason that Jesus Christ came to this world. It was to reconcile us back into a right relationship with God. It was to become the sacrifice for sin. It was to become the one who, who he could lay down his life and become that ultimate sacrifice so that we wouldn't have to continue to, to offer up sacrifices. It was always the need for innocent blood to cover the trespasses of the one who is guilty. That was always the plan of God, of innocent blood being shed to cover the trespasses of the one who is the guilty party. We see that all the way from, from Adam and Eve up until, 
up until today, although today it extends back to when Jesus Christ laid down his life, the ultimate sacrifice that he gave on the cross so that we could have our guilty, um, our, our, our guilt forgiven because of his sacrifice that he gave on a cross. He reconciled us. He, he bought us. He purchased our, our salvation through his, his life that he gave on a cross. Amen. I know that none of this is revelatory to you this morning, but I just want you to understand that, that there was a need for reconciliation that Jesus Christ gave his life for us so that we could be reconciled back to him. But here's the thing is that, is that he said this same ministry by which you see me giving my life and reconciling you back to me, I've given that ministry to you. This ministry of reconciliation, I have handed that off to you. This ministry of, of being the one who would go and just stand in the gap for others, I've given that to you. When he's speaking to those who have been reconciled, he's speaking to those who have understood the, uh, the, 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 powerful nature of, of what he did for us, how he gave his life on a cross so that we could be saved. He says, I now extend this same ministry, the same burden that I had on. Well, you understand the weight of this burden of reconciliation that Jesus had on him. The night before he died, he was, he was driven to the garden of Eden or to the garden of, of Gethsemane. And in that garden, he, he spent the night in prayer he has those around him. He asked them, come on, can you pray with me? They all fall asleep, but, but Jesus is there. He's praying, and it says he began to sweat as if it were great drops of blood. He had all the pressure of the world that was upon him. Why? Because, because the ministry of reconciliation is not an easy ministry. There's a burden that rested upon him as he was taking on the sins of mankind, and he is, he is, is reconciling us back to God. And now he says, the same burden that I had, I extend that burden to you. What, what are we talking about? We're talking about standing in the gap for somebody. The ministry of reconciliation is, is the one who it says in, in the scripture that we just read, it says, I want you to pray a prayer like this, that you would stand in Christ's stead. That you would stand there in the position that Jesus Christ was. That you would take that place and that you would pray, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. That you would be the one who is uh, praying a prayer for somebody. Come on, everybody in this place, you know somebody who is still lost to their sins. You know, somebody who is, who is never, even never come close, never had this, uh, this, this reconciliation that God wants to have with all of his creation, with all of mankind. There are so many who have not experienced that yet, but yet we are standing here today as the ones who Jesus says, I give you this ministry of reconciliation. Well, this, I'm talking about the purpose. Why, why is it that we've been called out? Why is it that we have been separated unto him? It's so that we can be the ones who are going out and we are sharing this wonderful news of Jesus Christ, of what he did to those around us. 
so that we could be the ones who would be reconcilers. We could be the ones who are telling others about what Jesus Christ did for me. I can share my testimony so that you can have your own testimony. This is ministry of reconciliation. It's now yours. I've done the work. Jesus says, I've done the work, but now I need you to pray the prayers. I need you to be my hands and my feet. I need you to be the ones who are going out and to be the ones that are extending this reconciliation to everyone that's around you. This is God's purpose, why we have been called into the church is so that we can be reconciled to God, but then also stand in the gap for those that are around us. I mean, I, I believe, I believe that when Jesus, um, when, when he left this, this earth, that he, he, he left us to be the ones who would continue in this relationship with him. And, and, and he, he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem. You will receive my spirit. You'll receive the comforter. You will receive that there. But then I want you to, to continue to learn of me. I want you to continue to be my disciple. We see in John, John 15, John 15, 5 through 8, we see this conversation about being a disciple that's taking place here. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If, if a man abides not in me, then he's cast forth as a branch. He's withered. Men gather them. They cast them into the fire. And they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. He's explaining what it looks like to be his disciple. Now, now we've, we've talked about, I've talked about this several times over the past couple of months of what a disciple is. I think the, the, uh, Easiest definition or simplest definition that I could come up with for what a disciple is, is a follower of Christ who is willing to allow God to change what matters to them. That's what a disciple really is. It means, the word means a learner. It means a student. But a learner and a student is somebody who is willing to allow themselves, that they, they, they learn. They, they allow the things that matter to them to change. And so a disciple is somebody who is following Christ and saying, God, if you're speaking to me, then I'm willing to allow you to change some things in my life. The things that you're speaking to me about, I will, I will change these things, even if they matter, even if it's, it's something that, you know, I feel is, um, you know, so important to me. If you're speaking to me about changing it, then I will listen because I'm a disciple. And he says, you'll see, you'll know a disciple because of the fruit that they bear. You know a disciple because of the things that, uh, that they do and they, they, they listen and, 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 uh, you can see me. You can, you can see me reflected. You can see me growing out of them as, as you have become part of the vine. You abide in me. That's what a disciple does. We're talking about God's purpose. This is, this is God's purpose is that we would, as, as we are reconciled to God, that we would abide in Him, that we would Pursue him. As, as disciples of Jesus, we, we are to pursue him. We are to, to come in, in, in a relationship with him that, that we begin to, um, 
it's as if everything that we do is is an outgrowth of of the spirit. That's what abiding in him really looks like is is as we go, as we uh, every decision that you make throughout the day, it's because you abide in him and the spirit has an outgrowth. On it, 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 it leads you. I believe that the spirit can lead you. It can guide you. This is what a disciple is all about. This is the purpose that God has laid out for us. This is the purpose of the church of God, that we would be disciples, but not only that we would be disciples, but that we would also go and make disciples. Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples. This is the the words of Jesus as uh, some of the last words of Jesus, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. We're talking about the purpose for which we have been separated, the purpose for which we have been brought into reconciliation with God, the purpose that we are to live a life of holiness is so that we would abide in him, that we would then go, and this is all part of this ministry of reconciliation, but that we would go and make disciples. Amen. Now, if you are here today and you're wondering, you know, how, how does this take place? How, how does all of this reconciliation take place? How does this discipleship process even begin? We see really this, um, this whole thing. It, it comes under this, uh, under this one thing, that's, which is the, the plan of the gospel. God's plan to restore humanity to himself is the gospel message. It's the gospel message. It's, it's, it's all wrapped up here. We can see it in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 tells us, And moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received, wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. Come on, this is the salvation message. If you keep in my memory what I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. Now he goes on to tell you what the gospel is. He says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That is the gospel message, that Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So how do we, how do we apply that to our lives? How do we, uh, how do we receive that? We see in Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter two says, you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. He's talking about this doing away with the old flesh, the old life, coming into Christ, buried with him in baptism. Talked about the death, the burial, the resurrection. We are buried with him, the circumcision, the putting off of the old man, says that that's the that's the death that is the cutting away of who you used to be that's the the decision that you make of of that's who I was but Jesus I'm ready to follow you well that's the circumcision uh that's that's made without hands he's talking about a a a a death to your old man but now he says we are buried 
with him in baptism. As Jesus Christ was buried, we are buried in baptism. Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Who has raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Hath he quickened together with him. Having forgiven you all trespasses. We're talking about the quickening together. This is the spirit of God that would come and abide in you. He has quickened you together with him. Having forgiven you of all trespasses. Verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting. Well, this is the, this is where the separation takes place. Trying to bring all this, all this together. That, that the separation that takes place when he, when he, uh, Gave his life and then we come to him in repentance. We come to him in baptism. We come to him and we receive his spirit. And when all of that takes place, it says that the, bl- the blotting out, the handwriting of the ordinances, all these things. Every trespass that you committed. Every sin that you committed. Every ordinance, every law that you broke. Everything that you did. All of those things he will wipe them clean he took it out of the way nailing it to his cross on every bit of your sin everything that you did he says i take that all that writing on satan he's been taking a list of everything that you've done the accuser of the brethren he's been writing it all down Everything that you've done, he, he has a record of it all. He's planning on that day when you stand before God in that judgment day. He's planning on presenting this record to God to say, look at everything that Susie's done wrong. Look at everything that John's done wrong. Look at all these things. I can point it out from day one to day 20. Come on to year 50. Come on, I can show you everything that he's done wrong or she's done wrong. But Jesus says... I nailed that to the cross. The list that you're presenting to me, I've nailed that to the cross. I've spoiled the principalities and the powers. I've made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That when Jesus died on the cross, he says, everything that Satan would want to present to me on that judgment day, I've already died for it. I've already erased it all. I've already, come on, taken that into account and said, I became the sacrifice. I'm the one that separated them unto me. I mean, if you're thankful for the separation of God's, uh, that, that God gave you from your old past, from your sin, from the, the old life that you used to live. Come on, can somebody just put your hands together? Amen. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Jesus gave his life for me, that he gave his life on a cross so that I could be separated from who I was, separated from my past. Amen. In fact, he, he did such, such a work of separation. Then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says that any man who's in Christ has become a new creature. You're unrecognizable from who you used to be. On the outside, you may look stark, you know, it, you may look the same. You may look, may not have so many changes on the outward appearance, uh, but, but on the, on the inward part of you, on the, on the way that God would look on you, He says, I see a brand new creature. 
You look in the mirror and you say, I see the same person. But God, when he looks at you, he says, I see a brand new creature. All thing, old things are passed away. All things are become new. Talk about separation. We're talking about, we've been talking about, you know, separation that God has called us to be separate. But the reality is God is the one who, who did the greatest separation for us. God is the one who separated us from our sins. God, Jesus gave his life so that we could separate it, so, so that we could be separated from who we used to be. He says, I gave my life for you so that you no longer have to live in your past, so that you no longer have to live under the bondage of sin. Come on, the bondage of sin no longer has a hold on me now that I have been brought into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. I've been separated unto God. And that's that's a that's an important thing that we are separated unto God. When you were separated, you were brought unto God. We weren't just separated. We're not he's not calling us just to be separated from the unbelievers. As as we read there in 2 Corinthians 6, it says don't be yoked together with the unbelievers. Don't 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 live the way that the unbelievers live. But rather I want you to be to come out from among them, be separate and come unto me. I want you to be reconciled to me. I want you to be brought into right relationship with me. I want you to come and, and, and realize I gave my life for you. You understand you you experience that through repentance. You experience that through baptism. You experience that through the infilling of my spirit. But and through all of that process, you come unto me. Amen. He has separated us for a purpose. We've talked about this purpose, the purpose of of coming and, and to right relationship with him, the purpose of going. And as we are in right relationship with him, of uh, living out this ministry of reconciliation, of, of living out this uh, this ministry of. Um, of, of being disciple makers. All of that is the purpose for which we have been separated. But there is a, a large theme that goes throughout the Bible, which is the kingdom of God. And I just want to, I just want to talk on this as we bring this, bring this to a close here this morning is, is the kingdom of God because we have been separated for God's kingdom. When we, when we were separated, when he says come out from among them, we, we are brought into a brand new kingdom. We no longer are living in, in, under the kingdom of the world, under the kingdom of sin, under the kingdom of Satan. But, but he's saying, I want to establish you in my kingdom. Okay? So can we just talk for a, li- a little while here about... Living in the kingdom of God. The fact that he separated you from your past. He separated you from your sin. He has called you to be separate. So that we can establish his kingdom here on earth. So, so what is? What is this present kingdom of God? Because there's really there's, there's two kingdoms. When, we, when you look in scripture we see this often referenced. As I said, uh, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's all through Scripture, it talks about God's kingdom. 
especially in in uh, in the Gospels, it, Jesus he speaks of this often. He speaks of my kingdom, my Father's kingdom. He speaks of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. All that is synonymous. All these things, um, speaking of the same thing, the kingdom of God. But really, there's really there's two there's two uh, two ways in which we can look at the kingdom of God. And one is the present kingdom of God, and the other is the eternal kingdom of God. There. Somewhat, you could say, one and the same as, as the present kingdom of God will turn into the eternal kingdom. But right now, we are living in the, in the present kingdom of God. We're not just looking forward to heaven. We're not just looking forward to a kingdom which is to come. But Jesus said, I want you to establish my kingdom right here on this earth. I want you to establish the kingdom of God right here. And I have separated you. In fact, I have called you out to be my church in order for you to live out this purpose, which is to establish my kingdom here on earth. I don't know if you're getting, you're getting this this morning, but I hope, you're, I hope somebody is. Amen. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We see God's will. Be, uh, we see that God's kingdom here on earth is his will being done. It's, this, is, this is part of the Lord's Prayer. After this manner, Jesus, he says, pray, pray this way. Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Okay, this is present tense language. This is, this is things that he's saying, I want you to pray in such a way that my kingdom, which is taking place up in heaven, would take place here in earth. Pray a prayer. You have been called out. You have been separated to establish my kingdom here on this earth. That my will would be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. Let it be done here on this earth. My kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and he goes on with the prayer, God, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So we see this, this kingdom of God. What is this kingdom of God? What is the present kingdom of God? The present kingdom of God is establishing the will of God here on this earth. You say, well, how can I do that? How can I turn the tide of this whole world to be doing the will of God? I can hardly do it myself, right? Well, sometimes we, I can hardly, I can hardly do this with, with, you know, the people that are right around me. How can I do this with the earth? I, and, and, and here's what he's, he's doing. He's calling the church, the global church as a whole to begin to turn the tide and to establish the kingdom of God. On one soul after another, one person after another, he says, "Let my kingdom be accomplished here on this on this earth. Let my will be done. Let's 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 let righteousness reign. Let's let peace reign. This, this is what the kingdom of God is. In fact, we see it in Romans fourteen. Romans fourteen verse seventeen it says, "For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. You don't see the kingdom of God in your, uh, you know, in the." 
the things, the daily activities of, of just eating and drinking. You don't see it in the uh, in, in a physical way, but rather the the kingdom of God. It's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what the kingdom of God is. This is the will of God. The will of God is for righteousness to reign. The will of God is for peace to reign. The will of God is for us to have joy in the experience of the Holy Ghost. That is the kingdom of God. So you have been separated for the purpose of establishing God's kingdom here on this earth. You've been separated. We have been called out so that we can live in righteousness. So that we can exhibit peace. So that you can experience the joy of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 6 verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness in all these things shall be added unto you. The kingdom of God is righteousness. The kingdom of God is living in such a way that that is pleasing to God. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I could even say that the kingdom of God is the indwelling of God's spirit in his global church. The fact that God would come and that he would be present here on this earth. That is the kingdom of God. The fact that he would come and he says, let me abide in you. I'm going. I'm going. My physical body will ascend up into heaven, but I'm coming back down and I will abide in you. Amen. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is that he would abide in his church, not just here in Kinderville, not just in Noble County or Allen County, wherever you're at, but across this world. Come on, that he would abide here in this world as the global church spread spread across this, this globe. He says, my kingdom will be established here on this earth. My spirit will come. Come on, when you have, are filled with the spirit of God, you are establishing the kingdom of God here on this earth. The indwelling of his spirit. This is something that was promised a long time ago. We see it in Ezekiel. We see it in, Joel, in uh, the book of Joel. Uh, in fact, let's go there in Ezekiel. Chapter 36. He promised this. He says, a new heart I'm going to give you. A new spirit. I'm going to put within you. I will take out the stony heart of your flesh. And I will give you a new heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. You will keep my judgments and you will do them. That is the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God, the present kingdom of God is all about. Is that we would have his spirit put in us. That his spirit would go and it would it would cover this globe. That is what the kingdom of God. I can just I can just see. No, no, it's no wonder that the angels are rejoicing every time that a sinner is saved. The kingdom of God is being established. The kingdom of God is growing. It's expanding. Come on, God, He created the earth. He created that. But then Satan came. And he became the prince and the power of the air. Satan came and he tried to establish his kingdom here where God's greatest creation was. He came and he, he foiled, seemed, seemingly foiled the plans of God. But God says, 
your time is coming to an end. Satan, your time is coming to an end. I'm establishing my kingdom. I'm taking this place back over. I'm putting my spirit back in to your place where you have called home, where you are trying to wreak havoc day after day after day. But let my spirit come and establish the kingdom of God here on this earth. And we have been separated unto God to, in order to establish his kingdom. We see this. We see this. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 2, this is the fulfillment, fulfillment of this, this prophecy in Ezekiel and, and Joel chapter 2 verse 28. Didn't, didn't read that, but we see that quoted here in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 16. He says, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, they're going to prophesy. Your young men, they will see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. My servants and my handmaidens, I'll pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. We see it doesn't, this this stretches across any socioeconomic boundaries. This stretches across whatever gender you are. This is, is a global thing. God's saying, let me establish my kingdom here on this earth by putting my spirit inside of you. Now, maybe you're asking, maybe you're asking, how does separation correlate with establishing God's kingdom? We're talking about separation. We're separated for a purpose. And we're, we'll just bring this to a close here quickly. But it's how does separation correlate with establishing God's kingdom? The first fact is that repentance, which is separation. That's what, that's what repentance really is. It's separating from who I used to be. It's making a decision Making up my mind that I am turning away from the old man that I, I was. I'm going in a new direction. That separation, repentance, is necessary for that spirit infilling. And we see it in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says, Repent, therefore. And be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. We see repentance over and over. The separation that is needed. You have been separated from the world. You have been called out from who you used to be so that his spirit can come in. See, the reality is you can't serve two masters. You cannot serve both the world of who you used to be and God at the same time. Repentance, separation is necessary for God's kingdom to be established. We see, I said, I said it already. We're not going to get into all the scriptures. You can take this home. You can study this out yourself. But, but there is another kingdom that is coming. There is an everlasting kingdom that is coming. I believe that it is quickly approaching. I believe that this kingdom of heaven is quickly approaching. That Daniel 2.44, he said, he said in, in that scripture that we do not even realize that, uh, that this kingdom is approaching as quickly as it is. He says this kingdom of, 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 of heaven, it's not going to be destroyed. This kingdom, it's not going to be consumed. This kingdom, it will stand forever. This is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Separation. In Hebrews 12, 14, it says, without holiness, without holiness, no man can see the Lord. Without separation, without holiness, 
We have no chance at ever entering into this everlasting kingdom of God. Amen. I believe it's the highest privilege of the church to be reconciled back into a right relationship with God. To be separated for His holy purpose so that we can experience and so that we can establish and we can enter into His kingdom. Amen. There's a purpose. I know sometimes we, we, we look at the separation. We talk about this and uh, about this. Maybe maybe for you, say, say we talk about this a lot. It's because this is why we have been placed here on this earth. God has separated us. He has called you out. God is calling you to live and to establish his kingdom here on this earth. Amen. If you could just extend a hand up in heaven, up up to the the air right now as our Sunday school classes are making their way back in. I pray that there be somebody here today. Amen. That God is drawing you. That God is is calling on you right now to say that old man of who you were, your past. Come on, let's, 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 let's move away from that. I want to bring you into right relationship with me. I've called you out of that. I've called you for a purpose. Called you for a plan. My kingdom would be established. Lord, we thank you today. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, I thank you, Lord, that even when I, even when I go back, God, even when I fall and I and I fall, and God, that you still are calling me. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, let us establish your kingdom. God, let us live a separated life. In your precious name. going to enter into a time of worship here in just a few moments but I'm going to turn this over turn the service over to Brother Dr. Conge. Man, we have some other things that we're going to tend to. Say, if the ushers want to come up we'll get ready to take our tithes and offering this morning. Tell you what, it feels good to be home. Miss too many Sundays on the road. Vacation is nice, but it is good to be home, and we're so glad that each and every one of you are here today.